All right, everybody, welcome uh, to another edition of the Demand Excellence Podcast. Today is a special night uh, for us. We have um, my co-host, of course, is uh, Coach Ed Dudley, and we got Coach Hal Lamb to agree uh, to contact us. He is the one of the legend coaches in the state of Georgia from Calhoun. Oh, that's where everybody knows you're from, Coach. Um, state championship football coach there, won numerous state championships there at Calhoun, recently retired. So uh, we're calling him to get some advice on how to coach. And uh, Coach Lamb, I appreciate you being on the show. I just, for, for the listener out there, just kind of take him through your road as a football coach. Well, you know, I, I graduated from Commerce High School and I was uh, fortunate enough to play for my dad at Commerce High School and was fortunate enough to play with my brother on a state championship team. And you really can't get much better than that, playing with your brother and being coached by your dad on a state championship team. And then I went on to uh, play at West Georgia. Uh, I was part of the first Division II signing class at West Georgia, and uh, it was a definitely uphill battle. But, you know, I was fortunate enough to play there for four years. And then when I graduated, I was able to – the offensive line coach at West Georgia, which was Mike Earwood, uh, took a high school job at Cartersville High School, and he was – I was fortunate enough to go with him as an assistant at Cartersville High School, and I was there for eight years as an assistant. Uh, and then I went to we – we went together to Upson Lee High School for one year, and Coach Earwood left after one year at Upson Lee. And I was able to get the head job at Upson Lee for two years. And then I was able to get hired by Calhoun High School back in 1999. And uh, I was there for 20 years and recently retired uh, in February. So take us um, – Coach Dudley, you can always interrupt me if you want to, if you have a better question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm next question, brother. I'm next question. Um <laughs> No, just kind of take us through that as a young football coach. You know, a lot of young guys listen to this podcast. And, you know, you played there at West Georgia for four years, and then you go to Cartersville for eight years. What are some of the things that you learned at Cartersville in those eight years as an assistant that really laid a foundation in you as a high school football coach? Well, uh, you know, working for Coach Yearwood, and we had such, you know, Cartersville's one – you know, it's one of the top jobs in the state of Georgia, as we all know. And I was really fortunate to be able to go to a quality program like Cartersville and Coach Earwood, who I thank the world of. You know, he he does it the right way. You know, it's all about faith, family, and football. And and I, I learned that from the get-go uh, from Coach Earwood. You know, it was we we all like to win, but the bottom line is is you got to treat kids fairly, and you got to. You got to love the Lord, and you got to you got to be a great role model. And I think that was probably uh, the big change because you know I I didn't expect that going into in my first year for that to be like that. You know I I thought it was all about football and winning as many games as you can, and it is. But but the bottom line is is it's about building relationships, and that's probably what I learned most. Coach, uh, over the years, you've built a lot of really successful coaching staffs. Obviously, the group at Calhoun, but even at Upson Lee, uh, you put together a great group of assistant coaches. 
what are some of the key things that you look for when you're interviewing coaches, whether they be young or old or uh, whatever? Well, the number one thing is they they got to be loyal. You know, that's that's the biggest thing with me. If they're not going to be loyal, you know, you don't want them part of your staff. And, you know, you can disagree uh, in the meeting rooms. Obviously, we've all talked about this, I'm sure, that, you know, we, we can all agree to disagree in the meetings room, but when we come out of that office, we're all on the same page. And, you know, and I, I, I can't stress enough about being loyal to your head coach or your coordinator because that, to me, that is very, very important. And um, that, to me, that's the most significant uh, part of being a young coach is being loyal to your boss. How would you, you. when you're interviewing somebody – um, what are some things you learned to kind of see if they were a loyal person? Cause, cause I mean, for me, hiring people, like I, I'm, I'm not a good hire or I, I don't know the right questions to ask. How do you figure that out? Well, you have to do your homework. Obviously you've got to call a bunch of people and find out his character traits, obviously, because to me, that's another big issue. He's got to have a great character. Uh, uh, we we do not allow cussing on the field, and you got to make sure you know they're in line with you. And those those kind of questions you ask those guys, and yes, they'll probably tell you you know yes I do those things. But you also got to make plenty of phone calls to make sure uh, they are the kind of people that you want to hire. Hey, coach, I want to uh, shift gears away from hiring a little bit and. Uh, several years back, you made the switch. You guys were a traditional wing T team, uh, well known for running the football statewide, and and you made a change to the spread offense. And it it seemed like y'all hit a new level of success after you did that. What was some of your thinking behind that big change? Well, the big change was we couldn't beat Buford in the wing T, so <laughs> we had to, we had to do something different. We felt like. Once we got to the quarterfinals or semifinals, we were, you know, you run up against teams that are so much bigger, faster, and stronger than you are. And it just we we didn't we couldn't get it done in the wing two. We felt like we could needed to spread the ball out and, and get opportunities in space to make plays. Um, and, and it really, to be honest with you, the year we changed, we only had one good running back. And, you know, obviously in the wing tee, you can get by with two. You'd like to have three, but you can get by with two. But we didn't We didn't have but one, and we had five or six really good wide receivers that we needed to get in the game. And my son was going to be a senior, so it was he was the quarterback. So it was kind of an easy transition that year because of our personnel. But uh, a lot of those, uh, you know, the personnel issue there, and the, the ability to get over the top once you got to the quarterfinals or the semis or the finals. With as a head, I mean, as a coach. So, so you went from a coach that was running the wing tee, and most most coaches that run the wing tee, I mean, they're very ball control oriented. Uh, they're very physical. Like they want their offense to be very physical. Almost a little polar. Almost a little opposite of what you would. I mean, I might be completely wrong, but opposite of what you would perceive from a spread uh, philosophy. 
So who are you at your core? Um, obviously, you're going to do whatever you have to do to win, but, like, who are you at your core uh, when it comes to defense and offense? Well, you were right about that. Uh, you know, my, my philosophy had to really, really change because, you know, in the wing tee, it's, it's many – different formations and run the same plays. Well, you get in the spread and, you know, it's just basically inside zone or outside zone pretty much with one back back there uh, if your quarterback can't run. So, yeah, you are correct. It, it was a little bit different for me, and it took me a couple of years to, you know, I think the first year we went in the spread, we got beat uh, in second or third round. I can't remember, but – it was because we didn't know enough about the spread to make adjustments, to be honest with you. Right. Uh, but, but our defense, you know, I've always felt like for me to be a successful head coach, I needed a good strength coordinator and I needed a good defensive coordinator. Uh, I felt like I could handle the rest. And so my, my key, I had to have a good defensive coordinator, and I've been very blessed with uh, George Hoblitzell, uh, Ricky Ross, those kind of names. That uh, we've got Franco Perkins, who was a head coach at Rome. He's on our staff, or you know, has been on our staff uh, a few years. So, you know, but I would say George Hoblitzell, who has won over you know 300 games in his coaching career in Alabama and Georgia. He's a, he's an older gentleman that's a really really good football mind. Coach, um, I meant to congratulate you early on uh, about the Dwight Keith Award. That's a very prestigious award to coaches in our state. So congratulations on that. And it kind of – I think it, it uh, is a symbol of not only your success, but the impact that your family has had on coaching in Georgia. I know I'm making a long statement, but, you know, we've got coaches that listen in to us of all ages and from all states. and. You know, I, I, you saw it with your mother and with your bride, and you know, you've coached your son, your nephew, so many close family ties. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did special for uh, moms and wives and, and to kind of build that fa family atmosphere into the Calhoun program? Well, I think it's very important that you have a very, very good coach's wife, and I, I have that, obviously, and you know, she does a lot of things with our coaching wives, and they'll do a lot of stuff together, which I think is important. It's kind of a, it's kind of a family within a family. You know, it's the the coaches, the coaches' kids, coaches' wives. We do a lot together. I think that that's very important, and I learned that a lot. You know, from my dad and my mom, and you know, I was able to coach my two boys, and and then my nephew, and then uh, you know, it's just. Uh, we're a football family, obviously. We, you know, football. If if it wasn't for football, I promise you, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, because it's been very special to us and our family. When when you go to Calhoun and you got that job in 1999, because because all all people like me know is 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 kind of. You know, I guess I think of Calhoun. I think y'all never lost a region game uh, since. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you ever lost a region game ever. Um, but, you know, that's all we kind of know. We don't really know about how you built the program. And so what was it like back in 1999 when you got there and how did you get it to where 
you got it. And you obviously talked about the spread a little bit, but what are some foundational uh, pieces that you laid uh, to begin the program? Well, you know, it wasn't roses from the get-go. I can assure you that. My first year, our first year, we were two and eight. So, and then, you know, we were able to, we went into Cartersville the next year and they were ranked number one in the state. And we were, you know, the only way we could have beat Cartersville was them turning it over six or seven times. And we played really well. And that's exactly what happened. And we upset them at their place the, the next year. We went seven and four and got beaten the first round of playoffs. But with that being said, we had to change the culture. The culture, uh, you know, it, it was very average. Um, you know, the kids, they're great kids, but they, I, I didn't think they worked very hard. We had to change the summer program. A lot of stuff we had to change. Uh, you know, we've been very blessed to have some good athletes, but I can say the majority of our kids are – FCS or lower, the, the special athletes that we've had. Uh, we've had some Division One, but not as many as people think. So I think the the hard work, the tenacity and the weight range, that all starts in the weight room. We all know that. And, and getting a few breaks here and there. And uh, we had to change the mindset of winning games instead of going out there and finding a way to lose. We, we found ways to win. And we were we were tougher than a lot of people, and uh, it's it's just a lot of hard work in the weight room and discipline, and uh, just hard nosed kids that like to work is what it has been. Well, Hal, I know that you're well known around this state for summer program and the way you guys structure it uh, or structured it when you were the head coach. Could you walk us through? Uh, some of the basics of your summer program. I think that's where a lot of uh, great Calhoun teams were built. Well, my, my philosophy has, has been it's a little bit different than what's going on today. Um, you know, and I learned this from Coach Yearwood and, and you know, over the 32 years that I've coached, uh, you know, we started out just working out and running just two days a week in June. and We didn't even – pick up a ball in June and uh you know if you did that today I, you know I think you might get behind but with that being said even last year we worked out three days a week in June we would go Mondays Tuesdays and Thursdays we'd, we'd be an hour in the weight room an hour on the field with speed and agility uh Mondays and Thursdays and Tuesdays we'd be in the weight room and then we'd be on the on the field working some X's and O's skill stuff. But we do that all the way through June. They, they didn't come in on Wednesday, didn't come in on Friday. And we'd go to a few seven on seven, but maybe, I bet we threw a total or practiced uh, against another team, maybe 15 to 16 games all summer. Um, and then July, after July 4th, obviously we crank it up a little bit, but we still stayed three days a week. I mean, but we, we did a little more ball work in July. Uh, my philosophy was, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough to play 13, 14, 15 games for a lot of years, and I wanted our guys peaking at that time of year. I didn't want them peaking at game seven or game eight. And I felt like if we killed them in the summer 
and they would peak in game seven or eight. And I wanted our guys peaking in the playoffs, and I, I think it worked out for us. Talk us through a little bit about, um, you know, I, I, I know I don't think it was your – it might have been your first state championship. Um, I remember that Buford had a loaded and powerhouse football team just from a talent standpoint. And, um, and I realize that sometimes those aren't your best teams, but from a talent standpoint, they were loaded. And I don't think anybody thought you guys had a shot. And, uh, and I think that's the first time you knocked them off in the state championship because I think you were just always having to play them, and then you finally knocked them off. Um, talk, us, talk us a little bit about that, like, you know, you trying to chop down the giant and finally getting them. Well, number one, they they are a very good football team and a very good program. There's no doubt about it. We they were much better than we were. They were bigger, faster, stronger, and they were very well coached. Coach Simpson did a really really good job with those guys. And you know, we did 2011. We just found a way to win the football game. Uh, they were very talented, um, and our kids really really thought they could win the football game and. You know, my nephew at quarterback who had a tremendous year, year, uh, career at App State, he, he played a tremendous football game that year in the Dome. He, he made a lot of plays with his legs, and we were really good on defense. We were, we were hard-nosed on defense. and It was one of those games where it was just meant to be. Our kids were really ready to play. And, and I, I think Coach Simpson would tell you that they really, really had a really talented football team uh, but it wasn't his best team, I would say, that he'd had there before. But, you know, with that being said, our kids really, really played well. Coach, you emphasized team just then and the importance of, of, I'm assuming, team chemistry. Is there something that you did over the years that you felt like uh, was a big boost to that? Uh, you know, just can you give us a few few hints on building team chemistry? Well, we do um, – to me, you know, we've been very fortunate to, to win a lot of games here at Calhoun, but for the teams that won the state championship, the team chemistry was where it needed to be. The teams that were talented enough to win a state championship, just like this past year, we were talented enough to win the state championship, but our chemistry was not where it needed to be to win the championship, and and I, I that bothers me because I, I had a really, really hard time getting the chemistry where it needed to be for this football team. But, what, you know, we do little things like, uh, you know, we have team devotion every Wednesday morning. It's op- obviously optional, but we have a lot of kids come. Uh, every Wednesday after practice, we break up into uh, – they're, they're in pride groups where – Everybody in that little pride group has to ask, answer a question. I'll give them a question at the end of practice. We'll break up in our pride groups, and they, every kid on the team has to answer a question in his pride group, which is about 10 to 12 kids per group. And little things like that uh, that we try to, you know, we try to do. Summer, our, our parents do a really good job of uh, seniors you know, eating together every Thursday night, uh, that kind of stuff. Just little things that we try to bring team chemistry together. Coach, you, um, you know, for me, team chemistry, 
like we develop that 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 I don't know. I guess we de we we develop the ingredients January through August, and then you know with the chemistry is when we try to put it all together. You're managing all the personalities, you're, all that kind of stuff is what you're trying to do during the football season. What are some things that you do to develop the ingredients? Uh, you know, to d develop. You talked about hard work, but what are some things you do in the off season? Maybe it's mat drills. Maybe it's your whole team working out together during the week. What are things you do during the off season, during the school year, January through um, May, to to get you into the summer workout program? Well, we're we're fortunate enough here at Calhoun that most ninety five percent of our football players are either in first or second block weight training. So you know that. They're lifting together with nobody else in the class, which is big to me. But we also, you know, we also do our lineman training. Uh, as soon as we get back from January, we call it OLDL lineman training, where we're doing it before school. We, we have done mat drills before, but the last probably 10 years, we didn't, we didn't do mat drills, but we did do all of our skilled kids. I would say all of most of our skilled kids are playing other sports, which I really encourage. Uh, but our OLDL kids, obviously a few of them wrestle, but, you know, they're sitting there doing nothing but lifting weights. So we had to find a way to get some quickness and agility. So we brought them in two days a week, all the way till spring break, Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, in the morning for about 45 minutes uh, before school those kind of things we do. Hal, we're seeing a lot of, uh, of single sport focus and a lot of uh, kids really playing football only. I think years ago we, we first saw it creep into basketball and then baseball. And nowadays you see a lot of kids that only play football. What, uh, what would you tell parents and coaches of players about uh, being that multi-sport athlete or playing something maybe outside their comfort zone to try to develop themselves as competitors and athletes well i think it's very important for them to uh you know nowadays we kind of persuade our kids to try to play at least two maybe three very seldom you're going to get some three sport guys now but we have some but most of our guys are, are playing two sports and you know i really encourage that uh you don't, you only go through high school one time and you can't get it back and, you know, for example, he may be a, a, a really, really good football player that is a great leader on the football team. Well, he may not be that on the baseball team, but he's learning how, how to play a different role on the baseball team than he does on, on the football team. And I, I think it's very important in the four years that they're in high school now, you know, it may play a couple of years and it may not work out, but I really, really encourage uh, kids to play as many sports as they can just because, you know, that's the way I, I grew up and um, that's what I believe in. And I, I I try to tell our kids, you know, play as many as you can because you, you only, you're only going to go through high school one time. Coach. Coach Lamb, talk a little bit about – I get this question a lot because I'm at a Christian private school, so I, I can unashamedly 
be a Christian. I can just be very uh, outspoken about it, and I don't have to worry about anything. Um, so I get a lot of public school coaches asking me how how can I be a Christian in the public school setting? How I'm, I'm like, well, I don't know because <laughs> I've never had to do it. But you're a Christian, and and you were in public schools for 32 years. What what would be your answer to those guys? With you know, how do I shine as a light for Jesus Christ? How do I, um, you know, uh, fulfill the great commission of, of proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ when I'm told I can't? Right. Number one is it, it's easy. <laughs> People think it's hard to do, but it's not. It's very easy. Uh, and I think I think living in that area living that way is very important to those kids if they see me out on the street they gonna know that i'm a christian because of the way i handle myself uh, i'm a role model i'm not gonna cuss i'm not gonna drink i'm not going they'll never see me lose my composure i mean i'll lose my composure and get upset at practice or game or whatever but i'm not going to be uh, they know you got to walk the walk and you got to talk the talk. I think that's the most important aspect of being a Christian coach is you can't, you can't say you're a Christian and then go out on the weekends and people might see you uptown drinking or whatever. And, and you just can't, you can't be on both sides of the fence. And I think, you know, we do little things like I told you before, like have team devotions, we have a uh, chapel every Friday before a game. So we're putting it out there as much as we can. Uh, obviously, we can't make them come to the Lord, uh, but we we try to do as, as good as we can because we all know that's the only way to heaven is, is to be a Christian. Well, your faith journey and faith walk is uh, well known. I think that that's uh... – that more than the wins, more than anything else, Coach, is why you make such a good example for us and for other young coaches out there. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was over the years, I, I got a chance to see the, the community of Calhoun get in behind the football program from the early 80s um, right on up through uh, 2018. And it grew and grew and grew, and you had to have a hand in that. What what do you think? Uh, what what are some things that you guys did as a football staff and as a football program to grow that support and to grow participation and enthusiasm in your town? Well, it, to me, I tell you, Ed, I when I coached at Cartersville, we played Calhoun uh, in a regular season game, and I said to myself one day, I said that really could be a good place. Uh, to to build a football program when we played them and I tell you it's a small community but they love their football and I knew if we could win if we could I, you know I had no idea when I came here in 1999 that we could win like we 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 did win uh, you know I had no idea I thought we could build a good program but to win three three state championships I mean we were we played for eight state championships. We only won three. So if I knew, you know, we winning solves a lot of problems. I knew if we could win some games and possibly win a state championship. They hadn't won a state championship since, since 1952. So, you know, they were starving for 
uh, excellence. And uh, when we started winning, they really got behind us. And, and it's not just football. This, this school is academics, you know, um, fine arts, athletics. It's really, really a good school. And our, our sports have done well. But I think winning solves a lot of problems. But this, this community was starving for championships and, uh, and seeing that. When, they, when we started winning championships, they really jumped on board. Coach, you know, if, if Buford had not been in your same class, you probably would have won eight state championships. But uh, <laughs> that was – they were they, – they were, it's like they like, – you were the unlucky team that had to be in, in their uh, classification. But um, so you had this great run of success. And, um, you know, I guess everybody was – I mean, probably to your inner circle, it wasn't a shock that you retired this year, but – you know, to the outsiders like me, it's like, man, this guy's got it rolling. They, they, they never lose. Um, wh- Why did you, why'd you decide to go ahead and, and, uh, and stop being a head football coach uh, this year? Well, it's something my, me and my wife have prayed about. This was, um, you know, she's retired. She's a former counselor, and she retired and, uh, a couple of years ago. And she's actually working for FCA and doing some real estate and working uptown. So she's got, she's really got three jobs, but we prayed about it that this was probably going to be the year uh, because we really had a really good senior class. I had a a few coaches, kids on this uh, senior class. So I told those coaches that I would see them through and that would probably be it. And really nothing changed my mind. I just needed a change. And, you know, I had retired from teaching uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, and, and I really was just getting paid a supplement, which I could come and go as I please. I wasn't 49%. So, and I really, I was going over there anyway. So I was really working a lot of hours for less money. And then uh, I just felt like it was time to do something else. And actually I'm going back to work part-time as director of athletic facilities and go make more money than I would be coaching. So it's really a no brainer. And I, I just needed something different. I, it's not that, you know, I coached for 32 years, but we, I counted up how many playoff games we played 70 playoff games. So, you know, you throw in another six or seven years and that's really 38, 39 years. I really coached and I really get, you know, it is a grind. There's no doubt, you know, you guys, you know what it's like and it's a grind and it's just it wore on me a little bit and I, I needed something different to be honest with you but uh and, and we prayed about it and the lord just said you know he he, he kind of showed me the way he showed me what to do and uh and that's why kind of why i retired well coach i'm out of questions for you but i did want to make one statement and that is that uh, the rest of us coaches in this great state of Georgia sure do appreciate the great role model that you've always been and the open book that you've been for us to call and ask questions and, and try to improve our game and model ourselves after you guys at the Calhoun High School and, and the Calhoun football program. Big big shout out and thank you to, for all that. Well, I appreciate that. It means a lot. And I know, Coach, um, you know, I, I started, I guess, keeping track of you probably. Uh, man, I, I'm not a Georgia kid, so I didn't start 
I didn't become a head coach till 2007, but really started taking notice of, of Calhoun and what you guys are doing starting in 2011. But what always what, what stood out for me uh, with you, and it was so encouraging for me uh, as a young uh, football coach, was was your stand for Christ. And um, so that was encouraging. And so my last question I have for you is, you know, the, the 23, 24, 25, 26-year-old out there, and, and maybe even up to 30, 32 year old, you know, they're in coaching and, you know, it's real easy for coaching and winning to become our identity. And Lord, and that's really where our families start to get destroyed and things like that and our relationships. What are some advice you have for that young football coach as he is as ambitious as they come to conquer the world? Well, the number one is you, you got to get in the word every day. If you don't get in the word every day, then uh, you're going to be left behind because, uh, and, and, and number two, to keep your priorities in order. Uh, you know, your faith got to be number one and your family's got to be number two and whatever sport, whatever is third is really up to you. But you must keep your priorities in order uh, no matter how bad it gets on the field or court or whatever. Your priorities must be in order, and you, and you got to get in the Word every day to be uh, to make sure you're where you need to be with with the Lord. Well, Coach, I appreciate it, and I know Coach Dudley appreciates it. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to uh, um, end on a prayer uh, for you and, and and all the coaches out there. Um, sure, that'd be great. Yes, sir. Lord, we come before you today, just want to praise and thank you first and foremost for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. And as we're all football coaches and, and we chase victory, uh, Lord, we all have the ultimate victory in Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. And um, Lord, we praise and thank you for that. I praise and thank you for Coach Lamb and just the example that he set uh, for 32 years as a football high school football coach. Lord, an example he will continue to set. Lord, just what an encouragement he is for coaches that lord we can do it right we can keep jesus christ first our faith can be first our family can be second and we can still win football games which he is a great example of he's been to eight state championship games and won three of them and lord he's done it the right way uh in building men and men of character um and building a great culture that's centered and focused around jesus christ lord we just praise and thank you uh, for loving us, Lord, and praise and thank you for Coach Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Coach. Amen. Guys, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Appreciate thank you. Thank you, Hal. Appreciate you, bye, brother. Bye, bye. Bye, Take care. You. Bye. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Holy, there is no one like you There is
Stop. 